Talking about according to his purpose, he has called you for a reason. If you are here, if you woke up today and your heart is beating and your lungs are uh, uh, breathing air, there is a reason for it. There's a reason he didn't call you home, because you still have a purpose. So I don't know what my life purpose is. Well, don't focus so much on that. Focus on what your purpose for today is. He's got a purpose for today. Tomorrow's not promised to any of us, but today we're here. So what is our purpose? Now, we've, we've spent the last three weeks talking about the various gifts that God gives, and we found out that God and all of his, his uh, 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 persons, his manifestations, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that there are gifts that can be attributed to each one of those stations, and that there are the gifts of the Father, there are gifts that the Son gives out, there's gifts that the Holy Spirit gives out. Uh, next week, next week, the Lord permitting, uh, we'll actually have a, a, a survey that you'll have a chance to fill out. Uh, it's just a tool. It's not, uh, uh, everything is not just written in stone. Whatever the survey says doesn't mean that that's, you know, it's not prices right or not prices right. What is that? Family feud that they always say, survey says. Uh, uh, but it, it's a good tool that may help identify some things for you. If you're saying, I really don't know what some of my giftings are or I think I know some, but maybe I have more. Uh, look, every single one of you, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has brought you gifts. If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, then the Son, he led captivity free and gave gifts, the Bible said. And those uh, Ephesians 4 talks about those gifts. Uh, just the mere fact that you were born and exist in this realm, the Father has given you gifts. There are natural abilities that you were born with. You know, we talk about it. Uh, natural, you know, he's a natural born leader. That's just a God-given gift right there. Well, that's, that's true. Those are grace gifts. So we want to help you identify those gifts so that you can see how to serve in the kingdom of God. Whether it's here in our local fellowship, whether it's just in the marketplace, in your home, uh, at your school, wherever you're at, that's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God you take with you. Amen. So let's, let's hop right in this. Today's topic, though, if you'll just let me preach a little bit. We, we kind of had some instruction the last three weeks, but I just, the Lord has laid something on my heart, and it's just, it's, it's, I, I got to get it out. I got to birth it today, okay? So we're going to talk about provoked to purpose, provoked to purpose. Our, of course, our key verse uh, the last several weeks has been, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. Not for everyone, because not everybody loves God. But if you're here and you love God, then he will cause everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That means whatever your purpose in the kingdom is, he will cause everything to work together. Everything, that means all the good stuff and all the bad stuff has got to work together. So I don't want any bad stuff in my life. I only want good stuff in my life. Well, then it, it, it's not going to work together. <laughs> it has nothing to work together with. You got to have a right and a left, a front and a back, a top and a bottom. Everything's got to work together in order to 
create good in your life and for God to fulfill his purpose. And you say, God, why is this happening to me? Let me explain something. Life doesn't happen to you. Life doesn't happen to you. Life is happening for you. Say, why did I have to go through that this week? Because it was for you. Everything you went through this week, good, bad, indifferent, boring, exciting, scary, everything happened for you. It didn't happen to you. Why? Because God has taken, oh, I'll use that. Hey, I can use that too. Oh, they're going to act a fool? Well, I'll use that too. <laughs> oh, they're going to bless them? Hey, I'll use that too. He is using everything. He's the apothecary. Yeah, back in the old days, anyone remember what the term apothecary meant? It's a chemist. It's a, it's a perfumist. Back in the old days, and there was an apothecary that would have to create uh, the temple anointing and, they could, and the oils that were burnt for, for incense. And he would use bitter things and sweet things and savory things and spicy things and, and mix it all with oil. And it would create this incredible fragrance within the temple. And that's what God does with us. He, he takes the, the bitterness and the happiness and the good and the bad and everything, and he mixes it so that when we offer praises to him, it's a sweet, the Bible says our praises are a sweet fragrance to God's nostrils. So life is happening to you. All things are going to work for good for the purpose he has in your life. Things happen that tend to drive us out of mediocrity. And the state of the American church and the Western church tends to be one of mediocrity at times. We just settle. And we want to settle sometimes, right? It, it, it's, we don't, you know, the Bible says to, we just talked about these gifts. The Bible says to stir up the gift that he has placed in you. If I had a, a glass of water and I went, out, I went down to the beach down there and just picked up a little sand and put it in the glass, if I didn't want that sand to settle... I would have to stir it, wouldn't I? And that's how the gifts are that, that we just talked about for three weeks. You've, you've got to put them into action. You can't just sit there. You know, well, God bless me. Well, you've got to do something with the blessing now, right? Faith without works is dead. You can say you walk in faith. Well, I walk in faith. I'm just going to kick back. Well, that's not walking. <laughs> walking means you're progressing. You're going somewhere with it, Right? So if, if, now, to settle, you don't have to put any effort into it, do you? If I leave that glass of water to its own devices, man, it's just going to settle naturally. And that tends to be the state of a lot of Christians. We don't want to do anything. Let me just come to church. Let me check the box. Hey, great, good. I showed up, did my one service. Keep the man upstairs happy. Hey, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. It's all good. I'm all good. Without realizing that God has called you out of mediocrity, God has called you out of a state of just settling so that you can become an active member in his kingdom. Why? Because he has a purpose for you in the kingdom. He didn't call us just so that we can wake up on Sunday mornings and attend a, 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 what we call a church service. Uh, that's technically actually incorrect because you are the church. I am the church. So if there's going to be a church service, that means I have to show up somewhere and serve the body. And not just a staff. Well, hey, we got a staff. They serve us. No, it's, it's if we come together, you are church. I am church. If we're going to do a church service, that means that church, which is us, serves. 
edifies. We talked about it last week. Someone says, I need to find me a church that feeds me. Well, then start feeding yourself, your church, right? Amen. We all, are we all still here today? We good? All right, hang in there with me. I promise we're going somewhere. Look at your neighbor and say, we are going somewhere. Okay, we are. We're going somewhere. Now, what does that look like? I don't know. That's for the Holy Spirit. But however that service is supposed to be, it's to edify someone else. So I need you to find your purpose. Why? Because I need to be edified. You need me to work in my purpose. Why? Because you need to be edified. That's how the body works. So, so he, is, he has a way of calling us out of a state of mediocrity and settling. Matter of fact, there's something about mediocrity that just in settling that disgusts God. He calls it being lukewarm. That's a good New, uh, New, uh, New Testament King James word, right? Lukewarm. You remember, what, you remember what Jesus said about that? He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, y'all listen, like, pay attention to that, right? If you're lukewarm, what is he going to do? Oh, he's going to spew you out of his mouth. It's nasty. It's disgusting. It's something about just being mediocre, not doing your best. I'd rather you just, just absolutely not even show up, he says, or at least get on fire and get hot about something. Whether you do it right or not, just, just do something or just don't even show up. Don't, like, don't just show up and do nothing to the kingdom. He's saying if you can't change the temperature of my mouth, it's disgusting. In other words, if, if you can't change the temperature of the environment with your coming and going, what good are you doing? I've, I've had people say, you know, I feel like if, if I move on to another church, you ain't even going to miss me. You ain't even, well, well, whose fault is that? You're going to blame that on me? <laughs> My grandma used to say, do something to make someone miss you. You know? Two years ago, I had a chance to step in and be full-time pastor. Uh, I just did a wedding, uh, performed a wedding where a bunch of folks I worked with for over 20 years were at. And they, they all came up and hugged me and said, man, we sure do miss you. Well, good, because I worked my tail off there for 20 and a half years, you know? <laughs> Somebody better miss me. <laughs> But I've all, how many of y'all have also worked someplace and they've spent time there and then when they left, it, it didn't make a bit of difference, you know? It didn't change the temperature one way or another. That's what God is saying. Don't, look, if you, if you can't even change the temperature, if, if, if you're going to live in a way where no one notices if you're coming and going, why are you even here? And I'm not talking about just here in our fellowship. I'm, I'm, talk, I'm talking about in life. What are you doing and yet, in order to get us out of a state of mediocrity, he will send something that provokes us, that pushes us, that sets us out of our comfort zone, that, that wakes us and shakes us. It's almost like the, you know, you, you've seen the example of the eagles. The, the mama eagle will build her nest high up on the cliff where it's safe. Animals can't get to her young. And she'll, she'll build her nest and she'll put thorns and jagged rocks. And even if she can find shards of glass or anything, she'll line that nest with it. And then she'll, she'll pluck feathers, uh, the soft down feathers, and line that nest. And her babies grow, they hatch and they grow. And then when it's time for them to get out of the nest and fly, and they don't want to, it's comfortable. 
she pulls up all that feathers and all the soft stuff where they're still in the nest, but man, it's not comfortable one bit. They don't want to be there anymore, so they finally make up their mind, okay, i got to go fly. God has a way of doing that in life, and it provokes us. You're, you're going to learn this year that not everything that's irritating you is coming from the devil. Not everything that seems like it's coming against you is demonic. <laughs> Sometimes it's your loving father with a big old grin on his face and a handful of feathers. Because <laughs> he knows at some point you're going to get sick and tired of him. You're going to go fly. And so we... We're going to look at a story real quick. I love Old Testament stories, but the Bible says that the Old Testament uh, is types and foreshadows of not just Christ, but how Christ operates in our life. And we can, we can learn so much about how God wants to operate in our life and how he chooses to do things by watching the examples of all of our predecessors in, in the Old Testament. So we're going to take a look at this. We're going to start out with uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we're going to, we're going to take a look at Hannah. Hannah, who would have, her purpose was incredible. She would eventually birth Samuel, who would be one of the greatest priests and prophets that Israel would ever know. Samuel would stand as a prophetic bridge between the judges and the, and the era of the kings. He would, he, would be, he would serve Israel in being utilized to identify their first king, King Saul. He would give wise counsel. And even when Saul would fall down on the job and not obey God, it was Samuel who would have enough guts to lop the evil king's head off that, that Samuel had just, or Saul had just defeated, who would be willing to sacrifice the animals God said to sacrifice. It was Samuel. It was Samuel who God would speak to and say, I'm, Saul's lost favor. I'm, I'm, I, I'm done with him. I'm done. I'm moving on. I'm going to anoint a new king. Go anoint David. It was Samuel who would have the courage because that would be treason. Yet Samuel would go identify the next king, the man who was after God's own heart. And not only that, become wise counsel and speak prophetic words of the lineage of David. It was Samuel who Saul valued his, his, his input so much that he would actually go see a witch after Samuel died to try to contact the spirit of Samuel. And even from the dead, he was powerful enough to utter a curse on us all and say, you've, you've, you've lost it. God's departed. He was one of the most anointed men to walk the land of Israel. And Hannah's job was to birth this anointing into the world. That's a pretty cool job to incubate and care for this anointed prophet. It would be through her that God would birth a new era for Israel. Yet when we stumble upon her here, she has no clue what her purpose is. And she's actually in a state of mediocrity, if you will. She's married. Her husband is, in all, uh, from, from all things, signs that we can tell in the scripture, seems to be fairly wealthy. He's wealthy enough that he had two wives. Men, can I get an amen? One wife's going to break you, right? You're going to be wealthy enough to have two wives? That's pretty wealthy. <laughs> she's, she's being blessed by him because we're going to find out that he loved her. Life wasn't perfect for her, but it was okay 
she could live with it. She didn't have exactly what she wanted at the time, but she could live with it because she was being blessed. And they repeated this cycle. Uh, they traveled quite a bit. He would travel to Shiloh and where the, where, where the Ark of the Covenant was, and he would make uh, sacrifices to the Lord. So we're going to hop into this story here. Everyone just kind of take a look at this. There was a certain man from Ramathium, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughter. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Now, this is, this is pretty interesting. He, he would give portions to Panina and, and, and enough to feed all of her kids. And to Hannah, she had no children because the Lord had closed her womb. It wasn't time. She wasn't ready to serve her purpose yet. And some of you are like, I don't know what my purpose is. Well, some, you, you, you may not be ready right now to serve that purpose. There may be some submission that needs to take place. There may need to be a little bit more dying out to yourself. If he revealed what the purpose is right now, you'd make a mess of it because you'd want to put your hands on it and you can't touch the glory. Only he gets the glory, not flesh. Your purpose is not meant to ever, ever elevate you and to make a celebrity out of you, but it's to bring him glory. And yet he loved Hannah and would give her a double portion. Here, here's your portion but I'm going to give you another portion. And he would bless her as if she had a child. She got enough for her and someone else because he didn't want her empty-handed before the Lord. He loved her that much. So she's in a pretty good situation. She would love a child. She's probably prayed for years to have a child. Hadn't happened. The other wife has given her, given him lots of kids. None from her. But I'm in a good situation, I got a good man, and I'm being doubly blessed. All's well. Mediocrity. As long as we, we all want the blessings of God, but to have to stir things up, it kind of makes a mess of things, right? Verse 6, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival, this other wife, Panina, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. So here we have this wife who started provoking her. Why was he provoking her? Or why was she provoking her? For one reason. To irritate her. Is there something in your life that just keeps irritating you over and over and you can't get rid of it? And the more you try to get rid of it, the more it's just there. And it's there and just irritates you so much. And said, God, when are you going to finally defeat the devil? And I'm, I've, you've been rebuking Satan all week long. I rebuke you, Satan. You're not going to get the best of me with this situation and everything. And yet it's just irritating you and irritating you and irritating you. Sometimes God is going to send a panina into your life. It's just going to irritate the fire out of you. It may be a person. It could be a job situation. It could be a family issue. It could be 
financial, it could be something, but it's just going to irritate, just ugh, for the express purpose. What all things are supposed to work for good. What good is this doing, God? Oh, it's irritating you. That's good? Yes. Why? Verse 7, this went on. Look at this. This went on. How long are you going to put up with this, Hannah? Well, year after year. <laughs> now, we could like judge Hannah all we want, but some of y'all have been putting up with all kinds of stuff way too long and just been fussing about it and irritating and just, God, what are you doing? And just, I'm sick of this, I'm sick of this, but you're not doing a thing about it, are you? This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her. It's not fun being provoked. It's not fun being irritated. To provoke just means to move out of one spot to another, to compel. I'm trying to move you. What are you doing, Panina? I'm trying to cause a reaction here. I'm trash talking, you know? Look at all these babies. Hey, do you need any more food? Over oh, I guess not. Mm, I will eat it all over here, you know? Oh, I, bet, I guess I better let you go. You need to put your baby to bed. Oh, I forgot. You're not going to be putting no baby to bed, are you? <laughs> well, I got to go put my babies to bed. See you. Just year after year after year, trash talking. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and she wouldn't even eat. She's getting a double portion of food and she ain't even touching it. Some of you have been in that place. You've been so irritated at God, you can't even appreciate the blessings that he's already put around you because you're just irritated at someone else. God, I, I would get the victory. I'd be happy about what you're doing except for this over here. Can't say amen, say oh me. Verse 8, her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? <laughs> I think Erica just spoke on behalf of all the women in the house. Oh, come on, baby. I know you want a kid, but look, you got me. <laughs> how many, how many y'all women would go for that? <laughs> Rhonda, if Mike, if, if Mike said that to you, oh, come on, baby. At least you got me, though. <laughs> Is that going to work? <laughs> nope. See? See? <laughs> so, yeah, you know, her husband, that's a good, that's a good try. And, and husbands, at least that's encouraging. Even back then, man, how many thousands of years ago this was? Yeah, we were still knuckleheads, weren't we? <laughs> Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? <sighs> so once, verse 9, once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, boy, Panina said one last thing. She said, that's it. Take this anymore. What did she do? Hannah stood up. The Holy Spirit is asking, when are you finally going to stand up and say enough? Enough. Now, what did she do? She didn't, she didn't, she didn't smack Panina, <laughs> but she did exactly what God had been trying to get her to do all along. Now, Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah, there it is, prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. 
She was finally provoked and irritated enough. It drove her to her knees where she just cried out to God. And notice what she starts saying. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty. Now, keep in mind, she's been praying for years for a baby. Lord, give me a baby. This isn't fair. You're blessing Panina over there. And her and her trash-talking mouth. She's popping babies out like crazy. This is driving me crazy. And yet, here I am. I'm trying to serve you. Trying to be a good wife. And you won't even give me a child. When are you going to give me a child? Give me a child. Just somewhere you shut her up. Just give me a child. Notice what she says here, though. She couldn't take it. She stood up. She went to the house of the Lord, dropped her knees, and she prayed this, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. Talking about a Nazarite vow there, uh, similar to John the Baptist and some of those guys, uh, 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 and, and uh, Samson and all that. Now, notice her prayer. How many years has she been praying for a baby? Yet now all of a sudden she is pushed to a point where she's like, it's full submission. Lord, if you'll just give me a baby, I'll give him right back to you. He doesn't even belong to me, but he belongs to you. Everything you've given me belongs to you anyway. You are my source. You are my all in all. I am nothing without you. And it wasn't even would just shut Panina up. That wasn't even a factor anymore. It's just if you would bless me, I will bless you. You can have it. I'm in full submission to you. I don't own anything in my life. I don't even own my life. But you own me now. I am yours. That's where he's wanting us to be. That's maturity. That's growth. That's submission when you can get to a place you say, it doesn't matter what I gain or lose as long as I have you because everything belongs to you anyway. We want God's blood. Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me. Say, Lord, will you give me a million dollars? He said, nope. I thought you wanted to bless me. Now, if your heart says, if you'll give me a million dollars, I will send it to families that need it. I will make sure that there's no child in this school district that has to go hungry. If you'll give me a million dollars, I will make sure that that orphanage is built. You give me a million dollars, man, Gathering Church is going to have them a church building or whatever it is God lays on your heart. In other words, oh, you want me to bless you so you can bless someone else? Now we can talk. It's one thing to say, give me a baby, Lord. Give me a baby. Give me a baby. But to all of a sudden say, if you'll give me a baby, I will I will use it to bless. He will serve you. Oh, now we can talk. Now, Hannah, you're ready for your purpose. I've had a purpose for you, but you've settled for mediocrity. I was wondering how long that woman was going to have to trash talk you until you finally got to a place you were ready for me. Now, Eli, look at it. Now, this is what happened. Look at this preacher. Then God sends this preacher on top. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. In other words, she wasn't praying out loud, but her lips were moving. So Eli says this. Here she is. She's crying out to God. And then all of a sudden, this 
man of God shows up. The preacher shows up, thought she was drunk. Verse 14, and he said, how long are you going to stay there drunk? Put, your, put away your wine. Isn't it funny how folks will become very presumptuous about you? <laughs> you start trying to move for God, and people just start assuming all kind of craziness about you. And they don't have a problem sharing it either. They'll say it on social media. Half the time they'll say it anywhere but to your face. That's the that's problem, right? But, but folks say all of a sudden you start pouring yourself out to God. People are like, mm, hmm. But she says, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Just leave me alone. <laughs> I'm trying to pour out my soul. Do not take your servant for a wicked man. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And now, finally, she gets alignment. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. I don't know where you may be in your walk with the Lord. You may be in that mode where it's like, hey, I, you know what? I, I want to show up on Sunday, check the box. That's good. Good job. That way I get a little pat on the head from the Lord, and I can go about my week. You know, and then somebody happens to bring it up during the work. Well, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sunday and all this good stuff. Or, or, or you may just be perfectly fine being in the background. You don't want anyone bugging you. And it just look, just, just everyone leave me alone. I'll pay my tithes. I'll do this, do that. I don't know where you may be or you may be so hungry. But, but I got a feeling that someone has had a panina in their life that's been irritating you for years and years and month and month. And, and I'm, God sent me here today to say it's not the enemy. It's not even that person's fault. They're not, they didn't grow up wanting to be mean to you. That situation wasn't there to try to trip you up. That situation is not happening to you. It's happening for you. God is just trying to provoke you to a place where you'll just submit and say, I give up, Lord. Perfect. Now I can step in. Because when you die out to you, Christ becomes alive in you. And you can find what your purpose is. He has a purpose for every single one of you. Let's all stand. He has a purpose for every single one of you. But sometimes he's got to provoke you, to push you, to get you to a place to where you are willing to stir some things up. It's, it's easy to settle it's easy to just slip into mediocrity. But anything he adds to you causes you to work. You can't even buy a goldfish without working. You've got to feed the thing, right? Clean the bowl. We want God to bless us. We want God to add to us. It, 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 there's a cost. Salvation is free. Blessings tend to be Conditional. Amen. I don't know who or what or how your panina is working in your life, but let it irritate you. I pray it irritates the fire out of you to a point that it pushes you to a place of full submission and say, God, here I am. Use me. And that same spirit would be transferred to Samuel when God would call him and wake him up as a child. Samuel! Samuel, he thought Eli was calling him because she remembered the story. She took Samuel back to Eli, the preacher. And Eli said, I didn't call you. After the second, third time, he said, hey, I want you to go in there. Next time you hear the voice, say, here I am. And that was Samuel's 
response to God. Here I am, Lord, speak. I'm yours. Amen. Let him provoke you to purpose today. Lord, I thank you. I praise you. Father, I know you're trying to perfect the church, and sometimes that's an uncomfortable thing for us. But it's not uncomfortable when we let go. Because to have full access in the kingdom, we have to just die out to ourselves. But man, what a life we get to be resurrected into. Father, teach us to live in your kingdom. Teach us to be citizens in your kingdom. Teach us to identify with your kingdom and your word far more than we identify with our political party, far more than we identify with our ethnicity, far more than we identify with our nationality. Let us identify as citizens of your kingdom and to live according to your word. And we praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing that song one more time because in his kingdom there is full freedom. So we can celebrate today. If you need prayer for anything after, after we're done, uh, uh, I, I get to pack up the, the drums and, and good stuff today. I got pulled out of mothballs. So, <laughs> uh, but, but it would not hurt my feelings if you interrupt me and ask me to pray with you about something. I would do it in a heartbeat. Amen. Or better yet, find another part of the body who's here. They're just as anointed and full of the Holy Spirit as I am. Ask them to pray with you. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, you may have asked him to be Savior, but he needs to be Lord. That means full boss, full, full controller. Do it today. You don't have to pray a special prayer, a fancy prayer. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth that he is Lord, just find somebody and say, hey, I want him to be boss of my life, Lord of my life, king of my life. And you truly believe in your heart that he was resurrected? That, he, that, that the gospel message is true, <laughs> then, hey, you're saved. I, I offer that to you today. Take that step, amen. Father, we love you. Let me bless you real quick, and we're going to sing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace, amen. Let's sing together as a family.